Well, welcome back to our series entitled Awakening. And to, the title of today's message is Awake, O Hypocrite. Say hypocrite. Bump, you, bump your neighbor on the elbow and say, are you a hypocrite? Some of you might want to say, I told you you was a hypocrite. Turn with me to Acts chapter 5. I want to I jump straight into the message and I want to show you something that happened to a couple who lied to God. You know it's not good to lie, amen? Acts chapter 5, we're going to read the story of Ananias and Sapphira, his wife. Verse 1, it says, But there was a certain man named Ananias with his wife Sapphira. They sold some, some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles, claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. And let me, let me catch you up to this story. The, the chapter before this talks about how all the believers were so excited about what God was doing that the Bible says they actually counted their possessions as not their own. In other words, their Ford F-250, they say, it's not mine. That's an act of God right there. House full of Chevy people, okay. Their homes, they said, it's not mine. If the church, talking about the body of believers, they, they, they had the attitude that if you need it and I got it, come and get it. It was as simple as that. There were no rules, no regulations. The Bible says that it was such a great community that, that nobody was in need in the church. Think about that. All the believers, there was 3,000 plus believers at this point. The Bible says that none of them was in need. Now, if we could squeeze 3,000 people in here and none of them was in need, I would say, man, we're on it. Wouldn't you? Man, we got it. Man, we got community going on. We're taking care of one another. All throughout Scripture, I hear the Word of God saying, you need to take care of one another. But too many times in the church, we want to fight with one another, right? We want to backbite. We want to scratch. We want to, and it's like we're trying to... The funny thing is we take the corporate world and we try to bring it into the church. Are you hearing me? The same things that happen in corporate America happen in the church, and it's a crying shame. People trying to, to, to get to the top by knocking other people down. I heard a wise man say one time, if you want to get to the top, you're going to have to push everybody above you up. If you're trying to climb the ladder, don't knock people off, push them up. That may mean you need to put your hand on their buttocks and push. You know what that means in, in, in the church world? That means you need to learn how to encourage one another. You need to learn how to give to one another. You need to learn how to see if other people have needs because sometimes we're just prideful and we don't tell you what our needs are, right? Right? Sometimes if you're like me, you probably say, oh, I got this. No, I'm good. I don't need any help. That's been hard for me. I don't know about you, but that's been real hard for me to say, okay, I need help. And I'm realizing that everybody around me goes, yeah, he does need help. <laughs> I've been thinking that for years. But the church was so impacted by what the Holy Spirit and what God was doing that, that they, nobody had need. Nobody was broke. Nobody was lacking. Think about that. Man, people were selling properties and possessions and they, the Bible says they would bring it to the apostles and to the disciples so that they could give it to those who had need. Wow. 
And then here comes Ananias and Sapphira. It says they sold some property. He brought part of the money to the apostles. Watch this. Claiming it was the full amount. With his wife's consent, he kept the rest. Let me ask you a question. Was it a sin not to give it all? Was it a sin that he didn't give it all? No. It was his property. He could have done whatever he wanted to. God never forces your hand. God just says, here it is. This is what I expect you to do. It's up to you. They didn't have to give it all, but they lied and said it was all. That's where sin came in. They wanted to, they wanted to get into the action and be a part of everybody else. Right? They were being swept away in the movement of what God was doing. They saw people being fruitful from, from their giving. So they said, well, let's, let's go sell a piece of property. Let's give. But let's, let's hang on to something to make sure we got fruit. You follow me? But they lied about it. They put up a front. It gets scary now. I'm, you better hang on. Verse 3, it says, Then Peter said, Ananias, why have you let Satan fill your heart? This guy just gave his tithe. Why did you let Satan fill your heart? You lied to the Holy Spirit and you kept some of the money for yourself. The property was yours to sell or not sell as you wished. And after selling it, the money was also yours to give away. How could you do a thing like this? You weren't lying to us, but to God. As soon as Ananias heard these words, he fell to the floor and died. Everyone who heard about it was terrified. Then some young men got up, wrapped him in a sheet, and took him out and buried him. Wow. He just dropped dead. About three hours later, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. Peter asked her, What was the price you and your husband received for the land? Sorry. Was the price you and your husband received for... Was this the... Hello. Was this the price you and your husband received for for your land? Yes, she replied. That was the price. And Peter said, How could the two of you even think of conspiring to test the Holy Spirit of the Lord like this? The young men who buried your husband are just outside the door and they will carry you out too. Instantly, she fell to the floor and died. When the young men came in and saw that she was dead, they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear gripped the entire church and everyone else who heard what had happened. Wow. Does that blow your mind back? I mean, they just told a fib. Right? Come on, it's a white lie. Who ever come up with a white lie? I mean, what's, what's the difference between a white lie and a regular lie? It's like a white lie is supposed to be better? It's pure? Maybe that's what, it's a pure lie. There you go. It's a white lie. It's just, I just stretched the truth a little bit. And that's crazy. They dropped dead. The couple Hold your wife's hand and say, baby, we better get it straight. Wow. They dropped dead, not because they didn't give enough, but because they lied about what they gave. You see, they wanted to look like everybody else, but they, wasn't, they weren't willing to sacrifice like everybody else. 
You see, sometimes as believers, we want to look like everybody else in the church. We want to be spiritual. We want to be highfalutin and all these other things, these Christianese terms you can use. But we want to seem super spiritual to everybody else. But on the inside, you're still a baby. Listen to me. I'd rather have a church full of babies than a church full of fakes. Amen? I'd rather deal with babies than than people who want to put up fronts and act like everything's fine. Keep this in mind that God will make a strong statement at one point in time to be remembered and applied to all points of time. This is a very strong statement, am I right? Thank God he's not doing that today, but he can. You realize if God was still applying this type of of punishment for lying, I wouldn't even be here. Much less you. He made a point in time that should last through all time. Amen? Go with me to Joshua chapter 7. I want to show you another story real quick. That's Judges. We don't want to go there. Joshua chapter 7. Man, you got those silent pages in your Bible. You can't even hear them flipping. That's pretty good. I'm going to have to get me one of those. Joshua was leading the children of Israel to take over Jericho. And the Lord had given some specific instructions not to take anything from Jericho. Whatever you see there, I want you to completely slaughter it, to kill it, annihilate it, wipe it off the map, and leave all their junk there. And they had some junk. They had gold. They had silver. They had nice robes. They had all these things. And the Lord said, leave it there. Don't take anything with you. He gave clear instructions to the church. Don't do that. Now watch this. And up to this point, the Israel church, the people of Israel have never been defeated in war. In other words, God had given them victory over everything until this point. They went to fight the small city of Ai. They sent out some scouts, and the scouts said, Man, we don't need the full army. Let's just take about 3,000 men. No need in getting everybody else to climb the mountains and get over there to fight. We can take them with 3,000. We'll go do it in the morning. So they were like, they didn't even need the full crew. And they go out to fight Ai, and Ai defeats them. In other words, AI sends them home running, packing, crying. Israel was defeated. And Joshua and the children of Israel, they fell on their face. They threw ashes over themselves and they cried out to the Lord in repentance, wanting to know why, God, did we get defeated? And then the Lord gave Joshua some specific instructions to call out the different clans and the, and the families And God said, I'm going to show you who this is. Because of Israel's sin, you were defeated, is what God actually says. In verse 16, chapter 7, it says, Early the next morning, Joshua brought the tribes of Israel before the Lord, and the tribe of Judah was singled out. Then the clans of Judah came came forward, and the clan of Zerah was singled out. Then the families of Zerah came forward, and the family of Zimri was singled out. Every member of Zimri's family was brought forward, person by person, and Achan was singled out. 
Then Joshua said to Achan, my son, give glory to the Lord, the God of Israel, by telling the truth. Make your confession and tell me what you have done. Don't hide it from me. Achan replied, it is true. I have sinned against the Lord and and, and the God of Israel. Among the the plunder, I saw a beautiful robe from Babylon, 200 silver coins and a bar of gold weighing more than a pound. I wanted them so much that I took them. They are hidden in the ground beneath my tent with the silver buried deeper than the rest. So Joshua sent some men to make the to make a search. They ran to the tent and found the stolen goods hidden there, just as Achan had said, with the silver buried beneath the rest. They took the things from the tent and brought them to Joshua and all the Israelites. Then they laid them on the ground in the presence of the Lord. Then Joshua and all the Israelites took Achan, the silver, the robe, the bar of gold, and his sons, daughters, cattle, donkeys, sheep, goats, tent, and everything he had, and they brought them to the valley of, of Achor. Then Joshua said to Achan, why have you brought trouble on us? The Lord will now bring trouble on you. And all the Israelites stoned Achan and his family and burned their bodies. They piled a great heap of stones over Achan, which remains to this day. That is why the place has been called the Valley of Trouble ever since. So the Lord was no longer angry. I said the Lord was no longer angry because of their sin. Are you starting to see the picture? The Lord wants you to be real, not fake. He wants you to be real, not a hypocrite. Amen? There's a Greek word for hypocrite. And it's called hypocrites, which means one who is wearing a mask. The title of today's message is Wake Up, O Hypocrite. Now, if you're in here today, you say, oh, what? Well, this message isn't for me. Let me tell you, you've already confessed you're a hypocrite. It's kind of like the day when Jesus stepped in front of the prostitute and he said, if, if all of you guys who are ready to stone her, if any of you do not have sin, then you can throw the first stone. They dropped their stones and they walked away. The same is true today. We've all been hypocritical. Amen. We can't look at other people and say you're a hypocrite and I'm not. Because at different times we've all been hypocrites. We've all worn masks. We've all tried to put up a facade to make people think that we're this when we're really not this. Am I right? I got an uncle. We call him a dime store millionaire. Every year he sits down right at Christmas and he says, son, this time next year, and he's in the dirt business, I'm going to have this and I'm going to have 10 Mack trucks sitting out there, a new excavator. This was every year. I kid you not, every year me and my cousins, and there was about five or six of us, we'd say, okay, it's about time for the speech. And one of us would get to say, hey, Uncle Ray's on. He, he gave his speech. And he, he puts up a facade that he's this rich man. But everybody else knows that he's broke. He drives a Mercedes. It's one that he picked up for a couple thousand dollars and spent three years trying to build it and make it look like it's new. On every penny he had. So he rides around Franklin, Louisiana in a convertible red Mercedes. With a cigar hanging out of his mouth. A cheap one. 
We used to, me and my buddy, we used to go bum a cigar from Uncle Ray, and we thought there was good ones. And one day we smoked a good one. It was like, man, Uncle Ray's buying some junk. But he's trying to put up this facade that he's something that he's really not. And you know the crazy thing is? Is that those that really know him, he's a great guy. He's a great guy broke. Are you hearing me? The only thing crazy about him is that he's trying to act rich when he's not. I heard about this restaurant in New York City, and it thrives on hypocrisy. Listen to this. You go into this restaurant, and they, they really target young couples that are getting ready to get married or, or husbands and wives, and you know it's really a couples-type restaurant. You go in, and the waitress or the waiter comes to the table, and she specifically gives the woman a menu, and then she specifically gives the husband a menu, okay? The wife's menu has all the same items that the husband's does, except the price is three times higher, okay? So the husband sits over here with his menu and he goes, baby, you order anything you want. And she's looking at three times higher prices going, woo, sugar daddy. I'm going to be nice to you tonight. Seriously, I heard about this. And that's how they make their money, on hypocrisy. I imagine they couldn't stay in business too long. Might work down here. I mean, maybe go twice as high or something. Anybody want to start a business? No? Hypocrisy may be good for the business world, but it's not good in God's kingdom. Amen? Psalms 103. You all right? (laughs) That was a powerful sneeze. Psalms 103.14 says that the Father knows our frames. He remembers we are but dust. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians 4.7 that we have this treasure, Christ Jesus, in earthen vessels. In other words, God knows we have frailties in earthenness, but it doesn't bother him. You got to remember Jesus died on the cross for how you were. I'll say that again. Jesus died on the cross for how you were. And maybe how you are. Amen. He didn't wait till you got your act right to go ahead and save you. Come on. He didn't wait for the world to be perfected before he gave his life. You got to get this. He gave his life before the world was perfected. We didn't deserve the goodness of Jesus Christ. We couldn't earn the goodness of Jesus Christ. Salvation is not for us because we can't earn it and we can't deserve it. It's a gift freely given to us because of Christ. So why do we need to act like something we're not? Why do we need to put on a facade and try to be like somebody else? I remember early wanting to, when I was back in children's church and, you know, T, I was in the T.D. Jakes world back in those days. And, man, I, I wanted to preach like T.D. Jakes. I'm serious. He's one of my heroes. I love T.D. Jakes. I love the way he preaches. I love when he gets all crazy. And I lost it. Ah! Have you ever seen T.D. Jakes? I mean, I love that. I ain't going to lie to you. It, just, it gets me excited. I'm just being a little open. So, man, I would listen in to T.D. Jakes. I would watch his videos. I'd catch his show on the TV all the time. I mean, I'd run through the house, and I'd be in the shower preaching. And the Lord said, woo! And I'd just break it down all by myself. Okay, I was practicing. Pray for me. I told you, you need to be praying for me. 
And so, man, I go to children's church, okay, and we were like 99% boys when I was a children's pastor. I wonder why. It was the testosterone levels. But I would go to children's church and I'd preach like T.D. Jakes to these kids and they'd be like, I was trying to be something that I wasn't. Are you hearing me? I was trying to be somebody that I could never be. God made Jamie, Jamie. And honestly, what you see is what you get. It ain't going to change much. Hopefully it gets better and not worse. And all those said amen. Hopefully he gets smaller and not bigger. You know, Jesus loved to be around poor people. Jesus went and sat with the tax collectors. I had this thought this morning, you know, Jesus in all of his righteousness and all of his majesty and in all of his power and all of his glory, the high priests were looking for a savior to come. They were believing for a savior to come, but they were believing for somebody that looked like them because they were trying to look like what they thought Jesus was going to look like. So when Jesus came, he would hang out with them. You see, what made them mad is that Jesus didn't hang out with them. He hung out with the poor folk. He went to the guy that stole all the money. He went to the tax collectors. Are you hearing me? The people with bad reputations. And the whole time they were fussing and whining. Why is he hanging out over there? What's he doing eating with sinners? Ha-na-na-na-na. Because Jesus wanted to be around real people. Amen? He didn't want to be around religious people. He didn't want to be around a bunch of hypocrites acting like something they weren't. Speaking when Jesus came around in a certain way and then when Jesus wasn't there, they said all these other things. You know, the joy I have is that my my pastor and and his wife came to the house yesterday and we, we ate lunch and you know, he would, they were just telling stories. We were kind of cutting up. And, you know, he was talking about how Miss Tracy had said something. She kind of lost it one day. And I probably shouldn't be saying this, but they don't mind. She kind of lost it one day. So he took Luke and he, like, went out to the, to the hunting, hunting lease and just hung out until Mama cooled off. And they were telling us this story. And, and if I was religious, I would have been going, oh, God, what's wrong with them? They shouldn't be pastors. But you know what I was like? I was like, man, that makes me feel good. Because we blew it too. (laughs) And we were able to share those stories with one another and laugh about it. Knowing inside that we need to get better and nobody judged the other one. Are you hearing me? We're just real. And what you see is what you get. There's no mask. Amen? Jesus gave you that pretty face to wear it. Stop hiding it. So let me give you three things that hypocrisy does. Say this with me. Say hypocrisy kills. Number one, hypocrisy kills your witness. Man, hypocrisy kills your witness. You ever heard somebody, I ain't going to church. I went to that mechanic that's supposed to be a Christian mechanic, and he, he jacked my car up, and he had a cross around his neck playing Air One and had a Bible on his desk, and he ripped me off. I ain't going to church. You've heard that before? You went to that mechanic too? Could be a concrete worker. You never know. But man, I see so many believers putting their foot in their mouths. 
They just put our foot in our mouths. People walk in or we walk into their place and we, hey, praise the Lord, hallelujah. The Lord is good. It's all true. But it's all fake. And then they get in their car and they're cussing and smoking and screaming and hollering and beating the kids and kicking the dog. Come on, you know how we roll. Come on. We want to be this thing so bad. And man, when we don't get it fast enough, what do we do? We start acting like it. Come on. You know why discipleship is so important in the church? Is because discipleship deals with the inside first. And then it works its way and manifests on the outside. You know what I love about believers that have never been church before? Somebody that comes in and has never been to church. I love those people. Because they come in, they give their life to Jesus, and they're still cussing. I'm serious. You're not trying to break through a wall of religion and knock out all this junk they've been believing in. You're not trying to break all that down so you can get to their heart. Their heart's right there. Right? Man, you take a person like that that's just raw, and man, you can do something with that. And you don't try to fix the outside. The first thing you deal with somebody is not whether or not they smoke. That don't mean a hill of beans. If they quit smoking, they ain't going to be no closer to Jesus. Right? If they're still drinking, it, it, don't worry about that. Now, try to catch them when they're sober, but I mean, you know what I'm saying. If they're hooked on something, don't deal with the hook that, that they have in them. Deal with their heart. Be real with them. Because Jesus loves them just like they are. In fact, most times we mess them up, and then Jesus got to end up cleaning them up anyway. Right? We, get, we make people hypocrites, right? Because we tell them, well, you got to quit smoking, and you got to wear long dresses, and you got to put your hair in this glory bun. Come on. We got some rules, man, right? You can't wear too much makeup. Your lipstick can't be too red. Men, you can't have a tattoo, or if you do, you got to wear long sleeve shirts. My wife was led to Christ by a preacher who was a hellion. The brother was covered in tattoos, worked offshore. He did everything you can imagine. Jesus got a hold of his life. He started preaching the gospel, and he was used to bring my, my wife to the Lord. I go, thank God for that man. Thank God that nobody religiousized him and put a mask on him. Right? Because that's what we want to do sometimes if we're not biblically sound, if we don't have the right mindset that Jesus loves people just the way they are. If we don't have that thinking, then we want to, we want to mask people up. We want to play dress up, right? I want to be like my little girl. Pastor Bubba's little girl and my little girl, when they get, get together, they, it just becomes girl world. And I don't understand it. I, I walk through the house and there's a sign on her door and it says something, something beauty salon. And I'm like, huh? I start thinking, is that tape going to pull the paint off the door? But they want to play dress up. They come out, they got lipstick all over the place. Prissing around the house. Daddy, do I look good? Oh, yeah, baby, you look good. Right? Yeah, you used to do it too. But hypocrisy kills your witness. 
That's why you hear me say all the time, stop preaching to people and start living to people. Come on, just like, just like the old guy used to tell me, don't sing it, bring it. Be who you are, be real. You're frail, you're, you're, you're broken, you got problems, you got issues. Don't hide those things. Be open and transparent. Dear goodness, I'm trying to lead in openness and transparency. You know more about me than most other people. Just on Sundays. I tell you a lot of stuff most pastors won't tell you. You don't believe me? Go to another church. They're trying to act all righteous. And the whole time their wife's sitting there going, you lying sucker. You lying in the church. You're going to drop dead like Ananias. Hypocrisy kills your witness because you know why? One day somebody's going to see you when you're least expecting. Somebody's going to be there when you're not expecting it. You know, Christ knows who you are when nobody else is around. You know, he knows when you're at the grocery store, men. And that beautiful woman comes walking by. He's watching you. He's right there with you, the Bible says. You're sitting there, you're going, you're fighting, you're going, I'm not going to look. I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look, I'm not going to look. Oh, I'm not going to look. But I need something from that aisle. I'm not going to look. Lord, help me. Help me. Cheat out, blah, 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 just praying in tongues or something. Lord, help me, please. I promise I won't look again, Lord. Come on, I'm serious. And the whole time you turn around, there's sister so-and-so following you in a cart. Hey, brother, how you doing? Hey, good. That's never happened to me. I'm just saying. I heard that story somewhere. And I know my acting was good. I've been working on my acting, okay? That's all it is. <clears throat> I can't lie. I'm tempted all the time. I'm just, I'm serious. And the crazy thing is, is that it's up to me not to fall into temptation. I have everything I need to say. No, we, we had this sermon a couple weeks back. All I got to do is resist the devil and he'll flee. Amen. Maybe you need to go get the milk before you come over here to the cookies. Right. Sometimes you just need to run. Oh, Lord, help getting out of here. <laughs> I'm serious because God knows who you are when nobody else is looking. That's called character. Character is who you are when nobody else is around. That's the hardest time. It's not hard to be good with other good people. It's hard to be good when you're by yourself. Right? It's hard not to put a mask on when you're by yourself. Who are you when nobody else is around? Because let me tell you something. I've seen it too many times in my own life. The people that I preach to all day long, they're usually coming around the corner when I'm by myself. Isn't that crazy? I'll tell you a story. One of my dear friends was, he's a believer and he was struggling with alcoholism and he was, he hid it for years. Nobody knew. I didn't even know. He was drinking a fifth a day and nobody knew. He was working. He was normal, normal around his kids Nobody, not even his wife knew. 
And he was discipling people. He was doing the work in the ministry. He gave. He, he did all the right things. He had scripture memorized. I mean, you looked at him, it was like the perfect life. And one day he calls me up, just a wreck. He says, man, I've I, I got to talk, man, please. Can you meet me somewhere? So we, I jumped in my truck and we met and he cried his eyes out. And he told me this story. That he'd found this guy that was in desperate need. The guy had lost his wife and was struggling with his now new girlfriend. And he was trying to be right, but he couldn't. He once been in the church, but now he wasn't. And he just needed help. So Sam began to disciple him. Sam helped him overcome his alcoholism and his, all these other things. He just walked through all that with this guy. And my buddy had this one store that he would always stop at to get his booze before he got home. And he said, man, I was in the store. And he said, just normal. You know, I kind of walk around until nobody else is in there. And then I, I hurry up and I run to the counter or, or I pick it up off the shelf. And I, I go and I check out and brown paper bag, boom, hit the truck, start fixing my drinks on the way home. He said, man, as soon as I had my hand on the bottle, this guy walks in. He said, bro, I didn't know what to do. He said, I duck, I ducked and I hid. He's in a convenience store. Tell me he didn't look like a fool with a bottle of whiskey. It would be real hard for me because he's smaller than me. Okay? I just, I, I don't know. Anyway. So he, he popped up when he saw the guy was on the other side of the, the, the shelf, the aisle. and said, hey, man, how you doing? Oh, hey, Sam, how's it going, man? And the guy went to walk around. And he kind of went the other way. And they started playing this little game. And. Sam was scared to death because his witness was at stake. Are you seeing this? He was about to be exposed. His mask was about to come off. And Sam repented that day. He repented to me for lying to me all those years. And the crazy thing is, is he confronted his dad three years before that about his alcoholism. And the whole time he was still drinking. And he felt shame and he felt guilt and he felt all these bad emotions come up. He felt condemned. He felt like God didn't love him anymore. The crazy thing is, is that God still loved him. In the middle of his hypocrisy, God still, was God angry? Yes, God was angry. But he still loved him. And Sam came clean and he went to, he went to a rehab for a little while and took, actually no, he didn't go to rehab. He went to a Christian counselor and he, he, the guy walked him through it and just so happened the guy had had the same problem in his life. And because the counselor was open and transparent with him, he was able to walk through that. And now my buddy's clean and he came to me and says, man, I want you to hold me accountable. Anytime you feel like it, call me. He told me where the store was. So one day I was driving and I seen a truck that looked like his at the store. I called and said, hey man, you at the store? I mean, it looked just like his truck. I was about to whip it around and whip him. No, man, I'm, I'm at work. I said, oh, okay. He, he said to hold him accountable, so I was. But it, what could have happened to that guy that he'd been discipling? Imagine what he would feel like. Think about all the preachers that have fallen over the years. I can fall at any moment. I'll just be real honest with you. I'm not Superman and I'm not super spiritual. Amen? Number two, hypocrisy kills your joy. 
Ananias and Sapphira were struck down. So too is your joy whenever you're exposed. Amen? Whenever you're hypocritical. You know what most hypocrites do is they start, they start picking other people apart. If you ever want to know if you're being hypocritical, check and see what you're saying. If you find yourself always talking about other people and their faults, then you're just trying to hide yours. Amen? That's why Jesus, the Bible says don't, don't, don't try to get the speck out of your brother's eye when you've got a plank sticking out of yours. Hypocrisy kills your joy. Number three, hypocrisy kills your peace. It's not peaceful to keep putting on a mask and taking off a mask. It's not peaceful to hide out from people. Come on. You know how it is. You see sister so-and-so at the store, and, and you know she's fake, or he's fake. I'm not picking on just the women, but you see him at Walmart, and you're like, oh, dang. Ooh, I need something on the other side of the store. Because you know why? You don't want to deal with that. Can I just be honest with you? I run from Christians sometimes. Don't act all holy. You ran too. Because I saw you running. I said, shoot, if they running, I'm running too. Y'all looked at me like I was crazy. Oh, pastor. Oh, pastor nothing. I don't like being around fake people. Amen? I love people that ain't afraid to tell you what's wrong. You know, you come up to say, hey, man, how you doing? You're doing worth a crap. What's going on? I blew it. You hear what I'm saying? I had this thought the other day. I realized something. And I wasn't praying. It wasn't even a spiritual moment. But I just realized that I don't hear a lot of people saying what they're repenting of these days. When's the last time you saw somebody repent? When's the last time your husband or your wife came to you and said, baby, you know, I had an attitude the other day. I'm sorry. Holy Spirit dealt with me. Whether they spiritualize it or not, I realized I was a jerk. I realized I treated you bad. I realized I hurt you with my words. You just don't see that no more today, don't you? I asked somebody, I said, when's the last time you repented for something? Oh, about a year ago. scares me it doesn't scare you we don't self-examine ourselves do we no why because we're too busy picking on other people too busy putting the mask on taking it off putting the mask on taking it off you know who's the best person to ask if you're hypocritical ask your kids is daddy a hypocrite (laughs) you better be ready because they're probably going to tell you the truth and it ain't going to feel good amen Hypocrisy kills your peace. Hypocrisy works from the outside while Christianity works from the inside. I want to close it out with this one verse in Matthew chapter 11. Verse 28 to 30, it says, Then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens. In other words, if you're weary and you're carrying heavy burdens... In other words, you know what, it, you want me to break that down for you in Cajun? If you got some junk in your trunk, I want you to come to me. Seriously. 
I want you to come to me. Bring your junk with you. Jesus don't want you to leave your junk behind or try to hide behind a fig leaf or... Come on. He wants you just as you are. The rest of that verse goes like this. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear. And the burden I give you is light. That's Jesus' words to us. Who are hypocrites. Amen. Can you say this with me? Can you say I'm a hypocrite? Thank you for not saying you're a hypocrite. That would have really made me feel bad. Jesus wants you to come as you are. Just as you are. Don't try to hide it. Don't try to fake it. Just be who you are. Because let me tell you something. Everybody loves you for who you are. They just don't like your hypocrisy. Amen. Can you stand up with me this morning? I want to pray and then we'll make a few announcements. If you need to repent, I want you to repent. Don't ever listen to me. You need to make that a habit of repenting. Repentance needs to be a part of your daily life. Amen. Because there's not a person in this room that doesn't daily drop the ball. Or doesn't daily blow it. Amen? It needs to be a part of your daily life. Don't ever hesitate to repent. Don't ever hesitate to try and just to confess to God what he already knows. You treat somebody like a jerk, man, man up and go over there and say, man, look, I'm sorry. I treated you bad and I'm sorry. I just won't say I'm sorry. You know you freak people out? I'm serious. You shock people. I went up to the guy this past year. I... I blew up on him at work. One of my customers, he did something, made me mad. I just honestly made me mad. Said a few words to him, walked off. Well, you know what happens when you calm down. The Holy Spirit goes, we know you blew it. I didn't hear nothing. Oh, you heard me. You heard that man. Remember, he knows you're a preacher. He knows you're a believer. You need to go make that right. And then what do I do? Okay. And I went back to him and I said, hey, I got man to man. I said, hey, listen, I'm sorry. I looked him straight in the eyes. I said, I'm sorry. I treated you bad. I treated you with disrespect. And I just want to apologize. I should have never done that. You didn't deserve that. You know what he did? He went. My breath didn't stink that bad, but it was, you know, he was like, he couldn't believe it because it doesn't happen in the field I work in. Amen. Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it's sharper than a double-edged sword. Thank you for the story of Ananias and Sapphira, Lord, and that, Father, you make a statement in time that's supposed to last through all time. It's supposed to be a reminder to us, Lord, to not be fake, to not be hypocrites, to not lie. To Father, just be real because you know the real us. We can't hide from you, Lord. There's nothing hidden from you. Nothing, Lord. You know the motives of our heart, Lord. 
You know our intentions. You know where we're coming from. You know what kind of attitudes we have. Lord, help us to be people that are real. Help us to be honest. Help us to be open and transparent. Help us to work on the inside so that one day it'll manifest on the outside. Lord, help us to come to you just as we are. And that's not just a one-time deal, Lord. That's every day to just come as we are. If we're frustrated, we just come to you frustrated. If we're mad at you, we just come to mad at you. If we're hurt and broken, we just come that way, Lord. Help us to be that church in this region, Lord, that our witness is not killed. Our joy is not killed and our peace is not killed by hypocrisy. Help us to live your word in this world. In Jesus' name.